Uh, well, this is a special week for us here at Grace Church uh, because it was actually a year ago this week um, that we met here in this building for the first time. Uh, I don't know if you guys, some of you were actually here for that. There were like 150 people. I think we have like a picture uh, of like the 150 people that first gathered when we were here. And uh, who was here for that? Do you guys remember? Who was here? If you were here, yeah, a bunch of us were here. Um, We didn't even have lights, by the way. That's just like the natural sunlight coming in. And it felt like it's the closest we've ever felt to being a cult. Um, We're not a cult, but it felt like a cult. And for the 150 people that came to that and then came back, like, I hope you weren't expecting a cult because we're not, but it kind of felt like that. I think that I'm just using like a, yeah, that's a baby stroller. That was my note stand. Like, we didn't really have anything and uh, we didn't have like any of the, the stuff ready yet, but we knew that this is where God wanted us to be. And here's what I love is over the past year, um, because of the generosity and the prayers of the people in this room uh, and hundreds of other people that go to Grace Avon, that go to uh, Grace Braintree, um, and friends and family from all over the country that believe God is doing something special here uh, at West Bridgewater, um, we're here. We're here because of that generosity. Uh, many of you gave above and beyond um, to be generous because you believed that not only was God going to do something special in your life here and in your family's life here, but that God was going to use this place to impact the community. Um, and to help your friends and neighbors find and follow Jesus. So it's just been such a neat journey the past year to see all that God has done. Just a few weeks after that picture was taken in June, Grace Avon, where many of us were worshiping at the time, um, took up an offering, um, and 100% of that offering um, did not go to like the operations of the church. It went completely to the renovation of this building, um, and we asked people to, to give above and beyond that day. Um, because we, we needed the money to be able to renovate and bring this building up to code. And we took up the largest offering in a weekend that we've ever taken at Grace Church. And, and, and many of you were a part of that. So I thank you. And, and as we continue on in this DNA series, we're talking about generosity. Um, because even being here right now is evidence of the generosity of hundreds of people who believed that God wanted to work in your life here. Uh, We started this series a few weeks ago by talking about what it means for us to be biblically-centered people. And if you're in Christ, and you've decided to follow him and put his name first and chase after his purpose for your life, then that means that you're committing to not trying to fit the Bible into your life, but trying to fit your life into what the Bible says. we We don't try to adjust the Bible so that it fits what we want it to say. We adjust our lives to fit what the Bible says, that God has something special planned for us, that God has a purpose for us. And last week, we talked about what it means for us to be personally involved, because we believe every person is a piece of the puzzle, is like a card in the deck of cards, that God has a role for you to play here at Grace Church, and he's given you special gifts and passions and resources to be able to play that role, to be personally involved. That many times we view church like a spectator sport, that we show up and we watch a few people do the ministry and then we leave. And if we have a friend that we want to hear about Jesus, we bring them to the the people that do ministry on Sunday. But that's not how God intended for the church to be. God intended for the church to have a role for every Christ follower to play. We believe that you have a role here. And if you haven't stepped into that role, if you're still kind of watching from afar, we believe there's a jersey waiting for you. We believe it's like a missing puzzle piece. 
And so as, as we continue on, um, we wanted to, to continue on by, by talking about this purpose that God has for you, which is to have a relationship with him, a passionate relationship with him. And in the Old Testament, um, how that was described was this. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. That for the Jews that lived under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament before Jesus came and served as a sacrifice for all people, this was how they expressed their relationship with God. This was how they lived out. This was how they discovered their purpose, was by going all in. Not just loving with a portion of their life, but with everything that they have, that we live out our purpose by going all in on Christ in every area of our life. And here's what's cool. Centuries after this is written, Jesus comes as a rabbi, and he begins to teach, and he begins to shake things up, and he begins to challenge what some of the religious leaders were doing and taking certain things out of context, and they'd shifted completely away from helping people, which was what God's intention was in so many of the commands in the Old Testament, and they just made it about self-righteousness and following the rules. And he came, and he'd say certain things that almost felt different than what the religious leaders had been teaching. But then he gets to this part, and he says almost verbatim the same thing, where he says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That this is what a true relationship with God looks like. This is why we want you to be personally involved here. Because then it goes from something that you do to something that you're a part of. And we believe that for you. I know that there's some people here that are like right on the cusp of taking that step. I know that there's some people here that you're just kind of checking us out. And you're here because your mom asked for you to come on Mother's Day. And that's awesome. Like you get to get a sneak peek at what God's intention is for every person in the church and why he gives us what he does. Because my favorite verse in the New Testament, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. Like you were not created by mistake. You were not an accident. Even if you feel like there's significant brokenness in your life, God sees you as his masterpiece. He created the entire universe and then he created you and he said, you're the masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God has given you what you need to live out your purpose, to be successful for him and to do his good work. And we believe here at Grace that our time, our talent, and our treasure are gifts from God and should be leveraged for his purpose. By being radically generous with these resources, God could make a greater impact through our lives. That's our mission. And for those who haven't made the decision to go all in, you won't be held to the same standard. But if you have, if you said, I'm in Christ and I'm all in, I want to live out that thing of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind, the Jewish Shema, as it's called, I want to do that, then this is the standard to which God wants to hold us to. So I want to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 25 that to me reflects exactly what God is calling all of his followers to be. What he's calling us to do with what he's given us. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament, which is the beginning of the new covenant that God establishes with his people when Jesus comes and dies as a sacrifice for our sins. So it's about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. You can get it on your app or it's, or it's here uh, on the screens. Matthew chapter 25, it says, the kingdom of God can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And in this particular analogy, the man is God. And then the servants, 
as everybody else. It's all of us. He called together his servants, and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Does he need to do this? No. He could just keep the money in his house, or he could store it and invest it himself. But he gives to each person to see what they do with it. He gives to us to see what we do with what he's given us. Verse 15, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. And what you'll see is it it doesn't matter how much God gave them, it's what they did with what he gave them. In the same way, he gives us resources to see what we do with them. That's why we have different amounts. Like God gives to us in different ways. And sometimes we get upset because we feel like he's blessing our neighbor more than he's blessing us. But with that higher blessing, with the more that he's blessed, comes higher expectation, higher responsibility of how you're going to use what God has given you. So this past week, the Celtics got blown out of the playoffs. Some of us are still getting over that. If you need prayer, I'll be in the Connection Center after. That was rough. They didn't just lose. It was a massacre, right? And after, yeah, amen, brother. After that happened, after that happened, we all got upset at who? Like, who do we blame for that? Kyrie, the star, the leader, the guy with the most gifts, the most talents, because we have the highest expectations for him. All the other guys on the team, Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart, we're not getting mad at them because we didn't expect them to be the ones that carried the team. But because... Kyrie had the highest level of talent. He also had the highest responsibility and the highest expectations. So we expected more out of him. So God expects the more that he gives us, the higher the responsibility that we have with what he's given us. So here's what happens. The man goes away. Verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. We don't know what he did, bought stock and fish or bread or whatever they did back then, but it worked, and he, and he earned more money, right? He invested it. Uh, verse 17, the servant with two bags of silver also went to work, and he earned two more. Verse 18, but the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. This is kind of like, you guys watch Parks and Rec? This is like the Ron Swanson approach, you know what I'm saying? Where like he buries it under the ground. So after a long time, their master returned from this trip, called them to give an account of how they had used the money. So now God calls these three guys together, and he's going to hold them accountable. And he's basically like, okay, I gave you this. What'd you do with it? It's like when I was, I was in high school, uh, like an economics class, that at the very beginning of the semester, we, get, we were given like imaginary money to invest in real stocks. Now, this was like uh, a while ago. I'm 32 now, so this is like 15 years ago, and when we just got to pick companies, and you know, so you can pick like a risky company that's kind of starting up, or you can pick a safe one. So I did really well because I invested in this company called Apple, and they had just put out uh, this this thing, the like I don't even know if it was the iPhone at that point. I think it was just like the the iPod, but like the cool one. Um, and and so like Apple stock was rising, and then at the end of the semester, uh, the the teacher brought everybody together, and like it wasn't about who made the most money; it was about how you decided to invest it. Uh, And so the teacher brought everyone together and said, how did you do? Um, And what I didn't realize was that that was like a hint that if you did really well, you should actually invest in these companies because you may, I didn't learn that. If I'd invested in Apple 15 years ago, uh, I'd probably have a place in Grand Caymans, I guess now, but I didn't. So, but that was the assignment was, how did you do with what I gave you? So that's what God's doing here is he's taking his three servants and he's saying, how did you do with what I gave you? Here's how they report back. 
Verse 20, the servant to whom he'd entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So you were a good steward with what I gave you, so I'll give you more. God determined who he was giving more to based on what they did with what they had. So a lot of times we get frustrated because God's not giving us more, when maybe the question could be, how could I be a better steward with what he's already given me? How can I be more content with where I already am? Some of us are frustrated that we're not getting promoted into a position that we feel like we've earned, when what God would challenge us with is don't focus on how you could get more. Focus on how you could do the best with what you already have. Verse 22, the servant who'd received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So what was important was not the total amount earned, but the faithfulness and how they used the resources that he gave them. He doesn't give us all the same resources or the same giftedness. It's all in different ways, and he blesses us in different ways, and he gives us different things. We don't have the same capacity as the person next to us. It's all different, and it's all meant to be lived out different. That's not what's important. What's important is how faithful we are with what we have. So if you're one of those people that God's given the one bag of silver, rock what you got. Be the best steward with that one. If you're one that has the two, be the best with what you have. If you're discontent in your place of life and you're just asking God to remove you from it, get me out of here. God, I just, I'm done with it here. Move me on to the next thing. God might challenge you and say, why can't you be content with where you are? Because if you can't be a good steward with this, why would I give you more to take care of? If you had a friend that you asked to, to, to look after your, your house after you left, you came back and it's completely trashed, and then he said, hey, can I, can I like look after your car too? You'd be like, no, because you didn't take care of what I gave you. And that's what God is trying to say here, is he is very much paying attention to how we use our time, how we use the talents and the gifts he's given us, how we use the money to help other people. And the way we use that determines how he will bless us. Verse 24, the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Like this guy doesn't even really know the character of God. Like he completely missed the point of why the master had given him this money. In fact, he calls the master harsh, even though the master generously gave to each of them. And then at the end, he didn't even ask for it back. He say, I'm giving this to you to see how you do with it. And so he just gives them more. But the guy, like, there's just a misperception. This guy just doesn't get it. He's also, like, quick to justify why he didn't give more. He's like, well, I didn't lose any. Like, that's better than the guy that would have lost some, right? And I think, how many times do we do that? Like, it's easy for us to justify why we won't give more of our life to God because we just compare ourselves to the person who's doing worse than we are, right? Like, how easy it is for us to justify that we're not necessarily chasing the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. A lot of times we're just, as long as I'm better than most, that's what this guy was saying. He's like, well, at least I didn't lose it. 
Like he was afraid he was going to do something wrong with it. So he didn't end up doing anything with it. He just left it under the ground. His stand, but God's standard isn't good enough. It's not like, as long as you didn't do as bad as the other guy. His standard is all in. And that means faith. Like the guys that invested, it took faith for them to step out. But God had given them that to see what they would do with it. Here's how he replies. The master replied to the third servant, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and I gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. So God had given him something and he just did nothing with it. He completely wasted it. And so in our own lives, for those who are in Christ, who have said, I do want to go all in on following him, he's put these things in your life and he's seeing how are you using them. Your time, of course you're busy, we're all busy. Are you using your time in a way that's generous to God, generous to the people around you? When you look at your decisions, at how you fill up your schedule, is it somebody who's radically generous as a Christ follower? Or is it somebody who's, who's just self-consumed with what they love to do? Like, would your schedule look any different if you weren't following Christ? Because a, a lot of times, it, it doesn't. Like, there, there's not necessarily much of a differential outside of the fact that we make a pit stop here on Sunday mornings. But we make time for what's important, right? We make time for our priorities. We make time for the things that we're most passionate about. So we make time to eat every day because that's important. We need that. We make time for work because we need to work to, to survive or to go to class or whatever you're doing right now full time. Like, you make time for it because it's important. But then you also make time for things that aren't necessarily necessities, but they are priorities to you, and there's nothing wrong with that. So we make time for our kids' activities. If your kid's in like a, on a sports team or something, that like you make time for that. If you're paying for your kid to be in a sports league, you're not missing that game. Like Even if the game has changed the day before, you're going to be at that, right? Because that's a priority. We make time for that Netflix show we're binge-watching right now, right? So we make time for things, even the things that aren't necessary. And what God is saying is I'm, just, I'm paying attention to that. Because if you say that you're all in, but nothing in your schedule reflects somebody who has me as a priority in your life, then there's a disconnect. You're like the guy who just buries his money in the yard and then says, well, at least I'm doing better than most. Think of your talent. Now, some of you are very in tune with what you're gifted at, with what God has gifted you. Some of you, like you're young and you just haven't figured it out yet. That's why, you know, 90% of college students change their majors. And that's not like, that's not a bad thing at all. That's totally normal. And it's because, like a lot of us change our majors because when you're 18, 19 years old, you, you probably don't know what you want to do with your life. You might not have discovered the greatest gifts or talents or passions that you have. Some of you are in a career and you didn't discover it until way later in life. So the point is, when you have discovered what you are good at, what you're passionate, what your gifts and your talents are, how could you use that not only to take care of yourself and your family? There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's important that you do that. But is there a way you could also use that to help the people around you? Are you willing to make yourself available to serve the church, to serve the kingdom? Because God didn't just give that to you so that you could have a full-time job. Like, God gave that to you so that you could also make an impact for him, even beyond your paycheck. So, like, if you're uh, in the medical field, a doctor or a nurse, and you know that God has gifted you in that way, and you have certain knowledge that other people in this room, most of us do not have, 
Um, what could you do beyond your full-time job to use that knowledge? Like we've had nurses that volunteer their time to go to camp with us so that when a kid falls off a golf cart and hits the gravel, not that that happened to me when I was a kid, there was a volunteer nurse that was there to take care of us or, or a doctor who's willing to, uh, to like volunteer her or his time to go on a trip, like a medical mission trip, and take care of people that don't have the same medical uh, opportunities and health care that we have here. Like if you're, if you're a contractor, some of you are so gifted with your hands, like how could you use that beyond, and I'm not, I'm not just looking for free labor, by the way. I'm really not. We don't need it. it. It's simply that God's given you that because he wants you to serve. He has a role for you to play. If not a single other person stepped up, somebody else, like we don't need your talent. We want to help you use what God has given you to bless other people because that is your purpose. So I'm not standing up here pleading, hey, we need, we need you to do your job for free here at Grace Church. Because that's, that's not at all what it is. This isn't even about me. This is about me trying to help you live out the purpose that God has. And I think many of you have very specific gift and skills that the people on your row don't have. And that's not by accident. And that's not just for a job. Some of you are retired and you're bored and you have all these gifts and passions still there and you have the wisdom and the experience. Like, you're even more positioned. I think of the photographers that, that, that are here every week. The one out there. By the way, mothers, free gift to you guys. Like, we have the little chocolates and stuff that you guys saw. Kids, that's not for you. That's for your moms. Um, I mean, you can have them, but don't eat nine, and then, don't give, and then like your, the other moms can't have any. Don't be that kid. Not that I saw that happen last service or anything. Um, <laughs> um, the, the, the photo booth outside, um, those are volunteers. Um, one of them is a very gifted photographer. Um, she often gets paid for, for the photography that she does. And um, she's offering that, that you can go get, like a ni- if you want to get the selfie with your, uh, with your phone, that's fine. Uh, we also have the option, if you want like a more high quality picture, it'll be emailed to you today. Um, and that's just a gift to you guys. Um, but that's a volunteer who knew that she was gifted in this way and that she could, she could use that to, to help other people. If you're a teacher, help in the kids' ministry. Because there's a lot of people in the, teach, in the kids' ministry that are teaching, but they don't necessarily have the gifts and the knowledge and know how to communicate the message in the same way. And even though God is using them, you might be able to help them to make it even more effective. If you're a nanny or you love being a, like a full-time mom, what if you volunteered some of your time every week? Or not every week, but every month even, to like letting a, like a single parent who's got kids, just saying, I'm going to watch your kids so that you can just go have some time on your own. I do that for my wife, and I realize, like, for her, the remedy is, like, she just wants to grocery shop without the kids sometimes. Like, and some of you are like, yes, that's amazing. I had no idea that that, that that alone, and that's so easy for me to do to just watch my kids. There's all these different ways that God wants to use your passion, and it's not about how we can benefit from it. It's how the people around you that need that blessing can benefit from it. I could go on, on and on with stories of people who use their everyday experience to make an impact for God. There's a guy named Paul who's, who's been with Grace Church since the beginning, and he's a very gifted plumber, and he hates when I say his name, which is why I bring it up often. Um, and uh, he volunteers all the plumbing here. So he set up all the plumbing, um, and he came and just worked double shifts for like a month to get everything set up here. And then every time we have a problem, he's the guy we call. We've never seen a bill from him because that's just, he knows that God's gifted him in that way. And for him, it's so fulfilling that he gets to use the skills that he learned to serve his church. That is so fulfilling for him. I think of Bob who came, uh, he's, he's a lawyer, but he's specially gifted in like the, the real estate commercial acquisition side of it. 
And, and God brought him to Grace Church right before we started the conversations um, with the Braintree property that we have and with here in West Bridgewater. And um, when we were going through all the complications with the town, um, like a, eight months ago, uh, they were asking us for things that weren't in the code. You know, simply, they just didn't know what to do. Like, it's not common that a lot of new churches come in the area, so they were asking us for things that, like, the code didn't have anything to say about it. So we brought Bob in. And when you bring a lawyer into the conversation, it changes the temperature a little bit, you know what I mean? And so, uh, so like, they were kind of asking us for things, and Bob takes off his glasses and says, legally, you can't ask us to do that. So if you do it again, we'll sue you. And that changed the conversation, by the way. I couldn't have said that because I'm not a lawyer, and they would have laughed at me. They're like, get out of here. But, but the lawyer could say that because, like, he has the experience to back him up. And he knows how to have these conversations. I think of Catherine, who's a friend in our life group that many of you have been blessed by because of her and her husband, Carl, and many other volunteers who started The Well, which is a, like a nonprofit uh, Christian counseling center in, in Bridgewater that many of you have gone to because she's passionate about mental health. And her heart and her experience and her gifts are all in the medical field. And so she works full time. But she also volunteers and started this, this uh, nonprofit that is impacting hundreds of lives of people. Some of you in this room are like, I love going there. Like, it has been the stability that I need. It's, a, it's one of our mission partners. It's because she saw that God had gifted her in this way, and she could do even more than her full-time job. It's not that doing her full-time job, it's not that that wasn't enough. It's that she recognized that God had a purpose even beyond that. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like it's so we get the benefit. It's so hundreds of families in the area get the benefit. Whether they know Jesus or not, they now have the opportunity to go. And it's affordable because a lot of counseling is really expensive. A lot of families can't afford it. But at the well, you can. I think of my friend Jorge, who like, he, he's a gifted contractor. And whenever we need something done around our house, he comes over and he helps us with it. Like I could go on and on, but bring your talent to the table. Let's go back to the, the last part of this passage. Verse 28. So this is now the master, who is God, telling the servant, the third servant. He says, take the money from this servant, he's saying it to one of his workers, and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. If you aren't a good steward with what God has given you, he's not going to keep giving you more. If you don't invest what he's given you in godly purpose, in helping other people, and you just keep using it for yourself, you can't expect that God's going to keep blessing you in the same way. Because he didn't give it to you so that you could just be rich and famous. He gave it to you because he has this purpose for you, and it goes beyond your success. Your treasure. Are you being a good steward with your money or burying it out of fear? Now, let me say this. A lot of people get really uncomfortable when the church talks about finances, because what they hear is us asking for their money. But that's not it. I don't need your money. We just don't. We're trying to communicate to you what God expects of you and what God wants out of you, and that by the more generous you are, you are unlocking purpose in your life. And I'm not going to stand up here and give this prosperity gospel that the more you give, the more he'll give you back and you'll be driving a Cadillac soon. It's not like that at all. That's not in the Bible. It's a recognition that your purpose goes beyond your own wealth. 
And so it, the money has nothing to do with how we benefit from it because we don't. And we, we, we every week say, if you're a family here that, is, that, that you can give, uh, please do. If you're in need and you can't, like you, you don't know how to be generous or you're, like you're brand new here and you're like, I'm not going to start giving to a church, but you're in need, we still want to help you. And it's because of the generosity of the people in this room that they can. So in the Old Testament, one of the ways that they lived out this love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind um, was God established what was called the tithe, which is the first fruits. It's the first 10%. And they recognized as God's people that everything God gave them was from God. And they wanted to honor him by giving back the first 10% of what they made or what they had as a recognition that everything that they had came from him. And then they decided to live on the other 90%. And so, like if you were a farmer, you'd take your harvest and then the first 10% you gave to God. And it wasn't like you just gave like the dead stuff. Like you gave the good stuff to God. And not because God needed it, because he wanted you to remember where it came from. He wanted to see if you really were all in. He wanted to see if you really trusted him that you'd live off 90%, even though you could live off 100 But if you're really all into him, all he's asking for in the Old Testament is that first 10%. Then Jesus comes and he establishes this new covenant in the New Testament of the Bible, and we read about that. That's the covenant we live under. So we don't live under this obligation of the tithe like the Jews did, because Jesus set the bar even higher. He said the Jews who lived under the law, their standard was the tithe. But I'm asking you to be a people that are generous. So the early church... Like, the tithe was the bare minimum. The first 10%, that's the bare minimum you gave to God. But the early church, they were so shaken and passionate about God. They had such deep faith in Him that they didn't stop at the first 10%. Many of them were like selling land and giving it to the church because they said, God has given me abundance and I don't need it, so I'm just going to give because I know there's people in this church that they can't even put food on the table. So God's standard, Jesus' standard, was so much higher than the tithe because He expected us to be a generous people. So for some of us, we can't be generous right now because we're not even being obedient. The bare minimum obedience to God is the tithe, is the first 10%. Not because God needs it, but out of recognition that you're really all in. Ironically, all in means just the first 10%. And here's what I believe. Some of us, that freaks us out about giving that much back to God. I believe that if God asks us to do something, he's going to take care of us through it, which means that I believe that if, if you are obedient to him to give the first fruits to him, then he will help you to live on the other 90%. Because part of an obedience comes with the promise that he takes care of us. Some of us can't get to a place of generosity because we haven't even gotten to a place of bare minimum obedience yet, and that's the next step that, that you need to take. Here's what I love. Is J.C. Penney... You guys know J.C. Penney? Like, not personally. I know we don't know him personally, but J.C. Penney, uh, I took this picture actually when we were in Oregon. This is like an old J.C. Penney store. Isn't that cool? It shut down like 20 years ago, so I guess it's depressing. But uh, <laughs> J.C. Penney, like, huge empire, and uh, J.C. Penney, strong believer. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but early in his career, he decided that he was going to, uh, like, as God kept giving him more and more wealth, he wanted to give more and more um, back to God. And so, uh, he was always faithful in giving the first 10%, the, the first fruits. But then as he became wealthy and became a millionaire, he realized he could give way more than that. Like he didn't, 
He needed need 90% of his income to live off of. Some of us, like we live now, like you could li- some of you could live off of less than half your income now. Like God has given you such abundance and you share it because you know that you don't need as much as you make. So J.C. Penney, by the end of his career, was actually reverse tithing, which means he lived on 10%, which for some is still more than what we make, but he gave 90% to God. He didn't have to do that. And God 